welcome back to another episode of DSC's Charity Questions. And we love having exciting guests with us today. And today we have three guests with us and we all work for DSC. It's a DSC podcast today. And we're talking about a really exciting piece of research that we've uh, we've just completed at DSC called Grants for Good. And so I've got three of our researchers with us today. I've got Jay, Rhiannon and Chester. So why don't you introduce yourselves? Go on, Jay. Hi, Jay Kennedy. I'm the Director of Policy and Research here at DSC. Hello. Oh, sorry. Hi, Rhiannon. I'm Research Coordinator here at Director of Social Change. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Chester, and I'm a Senior Researcher here at DSC. Perfect. So uh, I, I must say, I, I'm, I'm anxious to learn a little bit more about this as well, because of course, I know a little bit about this from working at DSC, but I get this great opportunity to learn even more now. And uh, of course, for the listeners out there, we want to understand why did we do this research? So Jay, what, what, what made us approach this in the first place? Yeah, well, um, this topic is something that's kind of been, uh, well, it's important for many charities in the country uh, and, and other types of volunteer organizations. And has been for some time. Um, personally, it's something I started researching almost 20 years ago, um, looking at kind of the types of government funding for grant, uh, for charities in the UK. Um, and ever since I started um, working on this 20 years ago, it's been a challenge in terms of the transparency and lack of data about um, uh, how much money the government provides to the charity sector um, and where it comes from and where it goes. And in particularly with respect to local authority funding, which is kind of over the last few decades been a remain an important component of lots of uh, kind of the funding mix, if you like, for, for local voluntary organizations. Um, but there's a lack of kind of clarity about kind of how it's changed and, and how the trends have been over time. So um, we've been active with other partners in, in the sector to try to campaign for that to be uh maintained and increased if possible and to have better practice around it so that's really what this research is about today nice so we're talking about local government funding is that right yeah 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 and over the over the again the past few decades and uh, this report kind of lays out the story of how things mm. have changed during that period uh, and the various kind of policy developments that have, have impacted on that but um there's been a shift from uh local authorities providing kind of you know, grants for particular charities to, to support services to including them more in kind of commissioning and contract and pr procurement regulations. Um, and that's had some impacts both on the amount of funding and the ability of, of local organizations to to kind of win that work, if you like. Um, and so that's really we're trying to illuminate some of those uh, details with data. Nice. And that that's it sometimes, isn't it? This collection of data. Is there a charity out there that can do that? I'm glad that we're in this kind of position. And looking back, we've obviously done a lot of research in the past, quite deep into the armed forces sector, things like that. Um, but in terms of local funding, local government funding, have we done anything like this before? Um, we have at various points in the past, you know, tried to uh, kind of research and analyze and, 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 and enlighten and elucidate, if you like. Um, the difficulty is that there's so many local governments. Um, and one problem that uh, that this report kind of highlights is there's just a lack of consistency in data and lack of transparency, despite the fact that over recent decades, there have been a number of initiatives to try to improve that, to, to put more data um, in the public domain, particularly specifically about what goes to charities and voluntary mm -hmm. organizations. 
mm. uh, with with limited success. So it's kind of been a case of you know kind of rolling that boulder uphill and and mm. sort of slow progress. Um, and we're trying to kind of push the push the pace a bit harder, if you like. Yeah, absolutely. So it, we're definitely going to talk very shortly about what Czech local governments are doing now. But if we look to the past, is there is there anything that kind of summarizes what local governments were like in the past? Yeah, well, as I say, there's there's kind of a few different eras, if you like, a few different uh, a few it. different periods, I suppose. I mean, really, a lot of this, the way that local government funded the voluntary sector has changed a lot in the last thirty years, um, and I think probably between sort of two thousand and two thousand and ten was a period where there was more growth, but also growth in funding overall uh, from statutory sources, including local government um, to the charity sector. But also, as I say, this this change in how the funding was provided from being, you know, tending to involve more grant funding um, to involving more contract funding. But mm. actually, in the decades since 2010, when we've had um, massive changes to public spending and particularly the kind of amount of money that local governments get from central government, which has reduced drastically um, since Absolutely. 2010. Um, that's affected the picture. So that has changed how uh, how much funding there is available and also um, put put local authorities under a lot of pressure. Um, mm. And then most recently, really, the kind of cost of living um, crisis and, uh, and the COVID pandemic. I think we, we don't have good data on that yet, but it looks like that, that probably coincided with a bit of an uptick, actually, in support from local government. Um, to to the sector because of the emergency of the pandemic in particular and the the, the kind of necessity of uh, of local governments working closely with local partners in in the charity sector. Mm, yeah, and I think as being a, I've been a trustee in the past where we've had contracts with local government and super important for us. Um, so in terms of the role role it played for us, it was it was as service level agreements to deliver services, and I think that's always been quite a strong way to have that relationship. But you, it's quite nice to hear that it's maybe going up actually, which is something that I haven't necessarily heard. It's what's obviously the the data is is why it's the data is so key. But right now, what what does government funding the role? What does that play in the total kind of charity sector fundraising picture? Well, it's as I say, it's changed a lot, and the available data that we have shows that um, from 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 a decade ago, when it was um, kind of like the largest chunk, uh, uh, or kind of pretty much almost like even with public fundraising, it's now in a very different um, a different position. Uh, and for the most recent data we've got, um, public fundraising has now outstripped. Um, income from the state so a lot of people wow. would look at that as a good thing um mm. and see that that's kind of reflects the sort of uh the um the yeah, strength of, of of charities you know kind of reliance on the public and yeah. and and less on the state but um that is a big change in the, in the kind of landscape absolutely yeah and so let's let's talk about the data now then let's dig into this so i know chester and rihanna you've looked at this a lot and so if what what did we find chester can, can you summarize this for all of our listeners out there who maybe have their own anecdotal understanding and knowledge of what's happened but what did the data tell us yeah of course um so as jay's alluded to the freedom of freedom of information request that we sent out to local authorities asked about a few different things um, and it's allowed us to put some important numbers on things like the total number of grants made, for example. Nice. And there'll be lots of detail in the report, but I thought people might be most interested today to hear about how much local authorities actually spent on their grant making to the voluntary community 
and social enterprise sector. Absolutely. So what we found was that local authorities spent around £333 million on grants to the voluntary and community sector in 2020-21, which was actually the highest of the three years that we asked about. So we also asked about the two preceding years. Um, And the total value of grants made over that period increased by around a third, so like 33%. Wow. Um, But it's important to remember that we didn't actually hear back from every single local authority that we sent our Freedom of Information request to. Um, And Rhiannon will talk about this in a bit more detail later, I think, because it's an interesting finding in itself. Mm. Um, But here, what this means is that the total is actually likely to be um, higher than that 333 million that I just quoted. Mm -hmm. So to give an idea of just how much higher the grant total would be, sort of if we had actually heard back from every local authority, um, we did some additional calculations and if listeners are are interested in the details of how we did this, um, then there'll be lots of detail in the report. But the key takeaway figure is that we estimate local authorities across the UK provided a total of around £630 million in grants, specifically to the voluntary community um, and social enterprise sector. Wow. And that's over a year, yeah? Yeah, so that's for 2020, 2021 for that financial year, that's right. Fine, so this is Um, kind of thinking that COVID has potentially impacted quite significantly then? Yeah, so that's something that um, we can only kind of speculate on because we don't have um, the detailed breakdown. Um, It's something that we would sort of need to look at in more detail in the future. Um, So as well as that kind of like grand total, um, with the data that we've collected, we're also able to um, investigate, for example, how much the average local authority makes in grants. Mm. Um, So again, looking at the most recent financial year, the data showed us that, so that's 2020, 21, just for uh, clarity. Um, the data showed us that on average, local authorities made grants worth 1.6 million pounds. So that's mm. 1.6 million pounds per local authority. Fine. But the astute listener, and I'm sure George, you yourself might be thinking, well, what type of average um, are you are you talking about here? Because um, there are obviously different ways of calculating averages. and that's a really good question to have in mind because sometimes the mean average, which is in this case where we add up everything that local authorities spent and then divide that by the number of local authorities, that can be quite different to the median average where we line up all local authorities in terms of their size Mm. and then look at the one in the middle. So the mean average was the 1.6 million that I just quoted, but the median average, which you can loosely think about as like the typical local authority um, actually only made grants worth 34,000. So, sorry, 340,000. Gotcha. So, in fact, three quarters of local authorities um, actually allocated less than 870,000 in grants to the voluntary and community sector. So it's quite a big, it's quite a big difference. Um, And it actually suggests that most local authorities have a relatively small budget mm, for grant mm. making to the sector. Mm. But there's that sounds to me then like there's some big players out there who are taking more responsibility. And time. Exactly, yeah. So we found that there were a handful of, um, of councils that were making a lot in terms of mm. their, their value and then quite a lot that were making quite little. 
Okay, that's really, really interesting. And, and I guess there's massive impact based on geography of small organizations probably feeling that as well, Chester. And it's, I guess, why sometimes you speak to somebody who has a lot of maybe frustration and then somebody that doesn't. And I guess it's, this is what we're talking about, isn't it? These are different local governments. So interesting findings then go on, Rhiannon, and Chester's teed you up. What, what other interesting findings have we got from this report? Thanks, Chester. Well, another one that springs to mind is that we also explored whether local authorities had experienced any formal complaints or legal challenges uh, in response to their grant making practices. Nice. So out of, I think, 273 responses we had to that question, only two had actually had any formal complaints, which is actually less than 1% of all nice. respondents, so a tiny fraction. And actually none of those formal complaints had resulted in legal challenges. Mm. Now, this is a really interesting finding because we know that anecdotally, um, commissioners in local authority circles have long shied away from grant making in favour of contracts. And that is often based on perceptions that grants are in some way less legitimate than contracts mm. or that they violate procurement regulations mm -hmm. or um, much cited fears around them potentially leading to um, legal challenges. So that's a really, really interesting finding because it essentially really challenges those long-standing narratives that have been circulating within the sector. Absolutely. Yeah, that is really interesting. And, and I'm just wondering, I put you free on the spot here. To less than 1%, how that, would that compare maybe to grant-giving organisations, trusts and foundations? Do we have that off the top of our heads? Let's <laughs> put you on the spot here overnight. Go on. I've, no, I've never seen any data on, uh, mm, on complaints to foundations, but it'd be interesting to see if yeah. there were any. <laughs> I wonder how that would compare. Okay, I'll stop with my uh, my, yeah. my, mean, my mean questions. Um, so give us some thoughts for future research. So that's all good. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So in terms of getting the data, we were talking about we went for a freedom of information request, um, mm. which obviously is quite a good way to do it, even if only a limited number of responses. But what kind of challenges did we find collating this report? Yeah, well, I think the first key challenge was really local authorities' lack of compliance with freedom of information regulations. So the project was heavily reliant on local authorities replying to our freedom of information response within 20 days, which okay. is the legal requirement. Um, we actually ended up extending the data collection period to 60 days. So that's three times the legal requirement. And we sent um, lots of follow-up reminders to you to really try and boost those response rates. Yeah. Um, and while we did receive data back from the majority of councils, um, so three quarters responded with either full or partial data, um, just around a quarter actually completely ignored the request mm. or denied the request. Mm. Um, and again, as I think Jay will maybe discuss a little bit further later, that was one of the key recommendations of the report that all local authorities should really be complying with the spirit of the Freedom of Information Act. Absolutely. Yeah, and then I think one of um, an additional key challenge was that when local authorities did return data, it wasn't always in an accessible format. Mm. So one of the issues we found time and time again was that documents that had been forwarded by councils were mislabeled. Mm, mm. Um, so as a result, we had to engage in quite a lot of back and forth with the councils over email, over telephone calls to try and address queries we had and to decipher little problems with the data. And while that approach was successful, as you can imagine, it was really time consuming. 
um, on our end. Um, so again, that does form one of our key recommendations that when um, local authorities are publishing data on their grant making practices, it should be really clear, really accessible and in a standardized format. Nice. Yeah. And that's exactly it, isn't it? That's it. It's the simple steps, isn't it? But I guess it's some of us a step too far for some of them potentially. And uh, I'm sure they have other challenges to be thinking about as well, which is difficult, isn't it as well? Yeah. I mean, everyone's pushed for time and resources. Um, but I do think that overall the freedom of information request approach was successful and it can be really, really useful tool for data collection. I don't think we would have seen the same rates of engagement if we mm. had sent a survey to the councils, for example. Yeah. I can so overall, that. you know, three quarters of councils responding, you know, isn't a bad start, but no, definitely room for improvement. Yeah. Nice. Well done. And I know Rihanna and Chester specifically a massive involvement in this. So thank you both for sharing your thoughts on that just then. So let's uh, put it in, in going into our listeners' shoes then. So we've got the listeners thinking maybe, well, I could do some local government funding potentially. Maybe it could be a contract. Maybe I've got a contract and I want to talk about grant funding uh, and switch it up. So um, to you then, Jay, what can our listeners do who to benefit from local government funding? Well, I think, um, you know, it, it, it's never going to be necessarily the easiest kind of funding to get. But mm. is there any easy kind of funding? Probably not. Um, I think number one is is just kind of make sure that you're um, you're building the relationships and that you're showing your value in the community. And I, I I am hopeful that actually COVID may have proved to be a bit of a turning point, and that that people in local government, whether they're on the political side or or officials, kind of woke up to the value of um, the organizations in their community that mm. that provide a lot of. Uh, you know, myriad services, but also the kind of intelligence about what's going on in the community. Um, and, and I'm hopeful that that can kind of start to, to be something positive that might come out of, uh, of the recent sort of difficult times. Um, so, yeah, show your value. Make sure that you've um, got those relationships. Navigating kind of tendering processes is always going to be, you know, difficult. There's a lot of a, a kind of policy work being done to try to improve those things. But it, you know, it's it's always um, I think it's always going to be challenging, but I think make you know try to make the case for grants, and and that's what this research and this report is is designed to do. It's designed to hopefully give you some uh, kind of arrows to your bow, really, to be kind of going into those conversations with with people from local government to say, look, you know what, you, you you're telling me that that the legal team says we can't do grants, but actually. There's no evidence that that's a problem. Um, you know, the, the, the guidance and the regulations from government clearly state that it's legitimate to make grants. They don't violate, you know, procurement rules, uh, particularly for kind of low value, um, low va lower value uh, financial awards for social services. So, you know, this is intended to give you some some um, hesitate to say ammunition because we want to have partnership and, and 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 joint working rather than warfare but some, something to kind of go to those people and and convince them and say here's some data about this look nobody's actually seen any any examples of legal challenges to uh to grant making so it's something that you can do and here's why you should do it um absolutely uh, yeah and that's what i'd say really i think and because because it is a totally understandable perspective to be one mindful of this kind of unspoken fear that maybe we will get legal claims and contracts are the way to go. But absolutely, it's just what happens when we get the data together. It just tells us a different story. And there's no guarantee that you know we don't have data actually on how many yeah. uh, how many contractual 
um, agreements get challenged. And it may be that that's more, possibly could be more frequent. Good point. Um, but yeah, and, and I would say also just, you know, support work like this, support campaigns. If there's, uh, if you can help get the message out, if you can help amplify, mm. um, you know, read the research, share it with people, share it with people in your local community, with other charities, with, with people in the council. I think hopefully that's only going to help. Absolutely. And we'll talk about where we can get the research and people can access it very shortly. So local government funding, I mean, it sounds like it's going up, right? And I know maybe COVID was an anomaly. Maybe we do this and we look at 21, 22, 22, 23 when we get the chance and, and it goes back down. But in the short term, in the, the three years you've looked at, it sounds like it's going up. But how do you well, think, Jay, that it's going to change in the future? Go on. Well, there's some positive signs, as I say. Um, probably the jury's still out about whether it's, you know, definitely going up and in, in what in what types. Mm. Um, I think um, the reality is local governments are continuing to be under huge pressure. So mm. the, the, the the sort of trend that I talked about at the beginning of kind of post 2010, um, mm. every budget that I can remember looking at, um, local governments kind of been at the bottom of the list. Uh, and Absolutely. so that 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 is sort of the financial, um, I guess, security of local government is very much still a problem. Um, and so we're still going to have, you know, not an easy operating environment, um, convincing, convinc convincing local government to kind of fund the voluntary sector. But it, it's definitely worth um, trying. And, uh, you know, there's there's room to there's room to improve. I mean, we've talked Chester's kind of outlined the, the numbers. Which seem like you know they seem kind of impressive if you're if you're uh, if you're an individual, but actually mm. in the grand scheme of things, 300 million or 600 million is is a drop in the bucket when it comes to uh, total government spending. So Absolutely. there's definitely room for improvement. Nice. Um, so anything, Chester, Rhiannon, did you want to add anything? So. Okay, so if people want to find this research, um, how can they do that, Jay? It's going to be uh, on the DSC website uh, from the end of June. We don't have an exact launch date yet, but it'll be yeah. coming out towards the end of June. So you'll be able to to go on to www.dsc.org.uk uh, and you should be able to find it there. We've got different sections of the website for research and also for policy, and it should be in both those places. And also check out our our Twitter feed um, at DSC underscore charity. Absolutely. And so if you're not on our newsletter and you want to be updated as soon as the research hits, just go onto the DSC website. Jay just mentioned dsc.org.uk. It's a little newsletter button in the top right and you can pop your email in there as well. And that will give you a, a direct email when the research is available for you to be one of the first to see it. And of course, yeah, it'll be on our socials and things like that. Now, Jay, I know you're active on Twitter as well, or at least uh, we, ha we have been in the past. Do you want to share your Twitter as well, Jay, if people want to follow you? Yeah, I'm at Jay DSC. So just the letter J, then K-E-N-N-E-D-Y DSC. Thank you. And then Chester Rhiannon, are you posting on charity Twitter these days? The, the crazy place that is the charity world on Twitter? No, cool. Not at the moment, no. Not at the moment, no. Amazing. All right. Thank you all, all three so much for doing this research, first of all. And I, I think some of the things that do come out of our research is that actually, oh, I never knew that, which is why we do it, right? And there's definitely been a few aha moments with, with this. And it's been great to follow along from the sidelines, but also learn a lot more today. So thank you, you three for joining us, Chester, Rhiannon, Jay. I really appreciate your time. Time and and yeah thank you everybody to our listeners as well and and good luck getting local government funding
Thank you for watching Charity Questions by the Directory of Social Change. So this is the podcast where we bring charity experts to you and we ask them the questions that you provide us via social media. So if you want to get involved, please check out the Directory of Social Change on Instagram, Twitter or LinkedIn. And of course, to hear more about this content and to learn more about Charity Questions, subscribe to our YouTube channel now and of course, like this video to let us know if you enjoyed it. Thank you very much for watching. Cheers.